Welcome to the third season of the For Jesus podcast. I'm your host, Jeffrey Wilcoxon, and one of the lay elders here at Redemption Church Gateway. This season, we are going to talk about work, careers, taking our faith into the marketplace, and some practical advice. This episode is about marketing. The United States is the largest advertising market in the world with ad spending in 2020 amounting to 242 billion with a B US dollars. Online retail has been growing consistently, yet last year during the pandemic and lockdown, consumers went all in. In the United States, for example, e-commerce growth was three times faster than in previous years. That is a lot of online shopping. I'm excited today to be talking to Dave Shrine and Michael Kelly. Thank you both for your time. Yeah, it's great. Thanks for having us. Yeah, glad to join. All right, a bit of background. Uh, Dave, we'll start with you. Tell us about your family. Where do you work? How long have you been attending Redemption Church Gateway? So I am a father of three. My wife and I, Sandra, we've been married since 2006. So we just celebrated 15 years this past June and um, pretty proud of that. Uh, 15 years is no small feat, but I still feel like I'm a young 23 year old guy. So that's a weird vibe. So anyways, we've got three kids, nine, seven, and four. Um, that has been a huge blessing and the biggest challenge of my life. Um, if any dads out there just feel like punching a hole in the wall, I have punched a hole in the wall. It is very difficult raising three boys, and I'm very grateful uh, to have the community here at Redemption Gateway. I'm grateful to have family surrounding me, and we started attending Redemption Gateway at the end of 2016. We moved out here to Gilbert, and um, it was great. It was like a homecoming. I went to Grace Community Church, and so a lot of folks who were at Grace Community Church with me when I was a kid, they were here too, so it's been a great fit. Oh, that's great. Well, the key is if you're going to punch a hole in the wall, do you know how to patch paint or spackle and paint and make it like you didn't punch the wall? <laughs> I won't go into it. There's a little family story. <laughs> my mom once said, oh, you should have your dad come over and, and spackle the wall. He's great at that. And then I asked my dad, hey, can you come patch some holes? He goes, well, I've never done it before, but I'll give it a try. <laughs> and so my dad for three weeks was in our house with YouTube and tools, and he did a great job. So I'll have to call him and have them do that again. Nice, and thank you again, YouTube, for all those great how-to videos. So much, Michael. How they uh, live? How they live? Fifteen, twenty years ago. I know. I know. Right? <laughs> little background. Yeah. So my name is Michael Kelly. I am a um, father of three, wife of husband of one. Um, <laughs> I had to think wife. about that one. Yeah, I was. I said that too fancy. Um. Uh. Kids are just now all three are in elementary school. So kindergarten, second, fourth grade school starts on Monday. So decided to get some peace and quiet back at home because I'm working from home at the moment. So that will be good. My wife and I have been married for 12 years now. Um, and we actually started attending the church three weeks after it started. We got married. We got married the Sunday that the church started Moved back from Ukraine where we met and got married and then started attending three weeks later. So there's a long story behind that, but we've been here pretty much from the beginning. So. Oh, that's great. Yeah. Well, thank you uh, both for that. Let's, let's talk a little bit about your career, Dave. Um, you know, kind of what led you to pursue a career in, in marketing or communications? So currently I have my own company called the Blocks Agency 
And uh, that started in 2014. But the genesis of that, uh, I never intended to get into marketing. I never intended to get into uh, the church's code word for marketing, which is communications. I never intended to get into anything other than music. I grew up um, a musician. Um, I went into full-time vocational ministry as a musician. I uh, was the lead worship guy. And because I was young, because I had a soul patch, and because I was uh, wearing the hippest clothes, I guess, of anyone on staff, they assumed that I knew how to do website and social media and things like that. So, hey, you're young, you're hip, you've got a soul patch, go ahead and start running our website. And that was my first introduction into anything related to communications. And fast forward... I left uh, my first position as a music director at Grace Community Church, uh, shout out to GCC, and uh, started as a technical director at another church and slowly morphed my way into church communications. There is a giant gap between uh, where the secular world is in terms of marketing and communications and where many churches are. That gap is typically five to seven years. Things that are emerging in the secular world, church takes about five to seven years to get there. And I was fascinated by the power of words. And long story short, I dove head over heels into church communications. Uh, I had a unique ability to listen to what was happening in the secular world. I didn't need to hear church communication training. I listened to real world marketing training and I made that translation into ministry. And one of the things that I felt compelled to do was to share that with other church communicators. So I spent several years networking and growing in church communications. And in 2014, I was faced with a major career shift opportunity. And I thought, you know, I could go work at another church and take everything that I've learned and apply it to one organization. I could go work for another organization and just, you know, a secular organization and just grow that. Or I could start my own business and I could really take everything that I've learned and help individual people grow their businesses, their nonprofits, their passions. And that's the road that I took. And there's a lot of reasons why I ultimately made that decision, but it's been a great one. And today we're still a really small business, but we do really important work. Um, I believe what we do matters. I believe we have the power to change, maybe not the world because like, I would never say like I could be on the same level as, you know, Abraham Lincoln or like Steve Jobs or Jesus or something like that going out there and changing the world. But I believe that we all have the potential to change somebody's world. Mm. And so through my work, I look at that as an opportunity to change the world around me, whether it's my family, whether it is um, my employees or whether it's our clients. So that's a little brief history on me. Nice. Nice. Michael, how did you get into uh, marketing? Oh, my path was kind of the opposite. Um, with a little ministry sprinkled in there. So I, I uh, went to school at Northern Arizona University. I think you went to too, Jeff. Lumberjacks. Still Lumberjacks. Yeah. Uh, got a degree in computer information systems, but the whole time knew I was going to go into missions full time. So paid attention enough to get a, some good grades. And I really love the whole coding technical aspect to it because that, that always came easy to me. Um, when the missions field didn't work out as I planned, ended up returning with the new wife, um, got a tech support call-in center job during the height of the recession back in 2008. I was looking for a career, um, got involved in the church, the band, played drums, and Jeffrey, who's hosting the podcast, Jeffrey. Uh, this guy right yeah, over here. Yeah, hey. he, was, he was the bass player in the band at the time. 
And we just got to base. talking about careers and interests. And he started sharing with me about something called SEO, which I had no idea, Ooh. even though I'd taken marketing classes and done all that. Uh, so SEO, which is search engine optimization, a kind of digital form of marketing that, that is pretty specialized, um, really piqued my interest because it combined a lot of the technical stuff I liked with the marketing stuff that was interesting in search engines. And so I was like, wow, it's really a career you can have. So he ended up getting me hooked up with some of the people he worked with at his company, got hired through that way. Um, he didn't get me the job. I got the job, but he, he definitely put a good word in. So, um, yeah, and it's, I've been in that industry ever since that's 12 years, I think at this point. Well, I, I may have helped crack open the door, but I mean, you definitely kicked it open. We, we worked together at the same agency for several years and just watching your rise, basically bringing that technical knowledge and just your personality and just your a curiosity yeah. to SEO and the technical side of it. It just, yeah, you know. a lot of my skills kind of melded together and worked right in this industry, which is why I'm I'm still at it. So yeah, yeah. Um, so, what have been some of the challenges, uh, f- particularly around marketing or just your role? Um, you both have. Uh, we're both, or all three of us, are kind of in the same industry, but a um, little bit different roles. Uh, Dave, you're running an agency. Michael, you're a senior SEO strategist. Is that Director. your director. Oh, sorry. Sorry. Wow. Wow. I really stepped in it. Um, so like your challenges. So, uh, not just challenges about, about SEO, but just challenges in your role, uh, in marketing or, you know, you're running or running a, you know, an agency. Yeah. I Michael think, or go Dick, Dave. Well, yeah. yeah. Um, I, I think f- <laughs> the challenges are really endless because the personalities that you deal with are really, endless there's no consistent um thread between all these personalities other than the fact that they have something that they believe will change somebody else's life and they want to get that message out so the challenge is uh just change from day to day to day but the ultimate thing that i believe is the biggest challenge is i i've kind of come to believe that people in general will consider themselves an expert at well, at first it was two things, religion and politics. I know what I know and I'm correct. And there's a little bit of room for growth, but essentially like this is what it is. And, uh, you know, kind of convince me otherwise, as I broke into marketing, I realized there's a third marketing. People tend to, um, overestimate the effectiveness of what they're doing and underestimate the power of somebody else to come in and further, what it is they've built. And a lot of that has to do with uh, just their individual stories. I'm, I've worked with one uh, woman who in the past, she, she just has a really bad taste in her mouth for marketing because in the past, the people that she worked with said, you need to be like this. You need to act like this. You need to do these things. And if you don't do it, nobody's going to buy from you. And so Fast forward, you know, three decades later, I'm trying to tell her, look, you've got a huge platform. There's something about you that really makes you unique and people are going to be drawn to that. And I didn't know her backstory. And so I'm still getting to know her a little bit, but there was this huge resistance to any type of shaping of a brand and come to find out it's because she really had a bad experience. And a lot of the resistance that I experience in marketing typically comes out of people having bad experiences, whether it is uh, self-caused, they tried to do it themselves and it didn't work. And so they assume that they did it correctly and they had a bad experience and now they don't want to invest. That's one side or it's the flip side. It is, I paid somebody a lot of money. Um, they took the money and they ran. And so I think that's ultimately the biggest challenge is people's uh, overestimation of 
of their effectiveness at marketing and their underestimation of just how big of a difference it can make when you get somebody who comes in doing this every single day with a major distinction, selling the right thing to the right person at the right time for the right reasons. And that's really a guiding force behind who we choose to work with and how we choose to operate. And when we make a connection with a person and they start to get that, it opens up the door a little bit more for us to really begin to influence what they're doing. And like I said, I believe that they can change somebody's world. And so as we get a little bit more of that door open, we really have an opportunity to make an impact. So that challenge is there, but it's a great challenge because people are awesome and they can really transform other people's lives. Yeah. It, it, so the the challenge is working with clients who've had bad experiences and really helping them to reshape their mind or their idea of what marketing can do and the relationship between uh, your work, what they've built, and and then the ability to connect with a customer. Yeah. If you want to boil it down, that's how I would boil it down. Yeah. Um, Michael, what about you in terms of your kind of the challenges with it. It could be your role or maybe just also the, the industry that, you know, that we're in. Touch on something Dave mentioned earlier around just the changing nature of the industry. Like it's constantly changing. So I took my college marketing class 20 years ago. It'd be, it'd be fun to go back and look at that textbook and see kind of what they say <laughs> in that, let alone in our industry with, with SEO, we're at the mercy of Google and they change stuff weekly. So, I mean, and they you, don't tell you about it. Yeah, no, they don't. And you, you can read, articles from any type of marketing thing from a year ago and laugh at it and be like, this is so outdated. So it's just the constantly changing nature. You, you have to always be up to date, keep up to date on Twitter, on blogs, whatever. Like there's always great source of information of people observing the industry, writing about it. And obviously your observations doing the work too and keeping up on it. But yeah, stuff is constantly changing. Mm. Never. It's never what it was a year ago or a week ago sometimes. So you're at a dinner party or you're in the lobby at church after uh, service. Oh, what do you do? Oh, I'm in marketing or digital marketing or SEO. What are the like two or like what's the top misconceptions that people have when they find out, oh, you, you help sell stuff on the internet or you do something with computers? Like what, what miscommunication, uh, uh, like misconceptions do people have about your role or th- about, about the industry? I think lately it's, what was that documentary on Netflix about like, privacy and social media? Like people watch that and think like, we're out to ruin people's privacy and, you know, we're giving away everybody's information. Like I don't necessarily deal with that. There's a free side and a paid side of what I do, but the paid side is the more, you know, we collect all the data and we customize advertisements based on your private data. And so there's a lot of misconceptions around that and how protected the data is. Is that the social dilemma? Yeah. I think that's yeah. The one. Yeah. Where they, it was kind of slashed part dark and documentary part kind of narrative where they had people, doing stuff and Creepy. Looked like, yeah, look like there's this, the, the wizard of Oz wizard behind the curtain, pulling all the strings digitally to make us do things, buy things. So watching that, way. it's like, well, it's probably worse than what they say, but it's also better in some ways than, than the way they make it sound. So yeah. like, I think it's worse than the way it's affecting kids, but better in the way of how maybe your data or privacy is handled mm. in a lot of ways. So. I, the thing that I, it, it's not so much anymore, but I still get plenty of people asking it. I'll say, oh, I'm in uh, digital marketing, online marketing. Okay. So I have never talked about 
toilets. But all of a sudden, we talked about replacing the toilet in my house. Yeah. And now I'm seeing ads all over the place for toilets. So they want to know about that. But I, I want to make a um, a comment about what you were talking about a little bit earlier, uh, just the um, the the ads and collecting the data and things like that. Um, like, the, I think that it's at the core like we have an advantage knowing Jesus and understanding the story, knowing the story, trusting the author. We know that at the heart of every person, like every person's heart is wicked. And we know that these tools of marketing, we know that data can be used for good or for bad. The world out there inherently, like apart from Jesus, they inherently believe that people are good and they will make the right decision. Mm -hmm. The data is not scary if Jesus is the backbone of it, right? Because you're helping to find the right person who needs this resource. But when you put it in the hands of people who are at their core wicked and don't have the backbone of Jesus, it all of the sudden opens up the door for that data to be misused and abused. And it really does uh, come down to that responsive, like being responsible with that data and, uh, and not everybody is. And so I think it's just a old manifestation that shows up. Uh, how is this technology going to be used? And this is just the newest flavor. Is it going to be used for good or evil? Yeah. Which leads into a, another idea is, we know, as believers, we know that the world is broken and multiple areas within our culture is broken. One of them being work. Uh, so aside from maybe people use data for evil, like are there other areas where you see work as broken and it doesn't need to be marketing. It could just be employees, um, working with clients, um, overwork, um, expectations from bosses. I, I don't want to obviously lead you, which I already did, but like, what are some areas that you see that's definitely broken that you look forward to it be hopefully one day being redeemed? Yeah. So I, something came immediately to mind and, and it actually, what you're talking about right here goes back to the very core decision that I made to launch a business in the past. I had had jobs and there had been uh, all sorts of values promoted, family, um, enjoying work, um, you know, time off, uh, filling up, you know, you know, giving and working out of joy, all of these things. But all of those tended to be, and I'm talking in the church world, outside the church world, all of those tended to be reserved for the people saying those things, not the people receiving those. And that was a major disconnect for me mm. um, because uh, I'll just say it in the church world. Um, it would be coming down family, family, family. And then Friday at 5 PM, I'd get something that says we need this by Sunday. And then all Friday night, all Saturday, I'm working. That's bull. Like I'm so, like, that is awful. And so when I decided to start my own business, I said, I'm going to tout these things and I'm actually going to live them out, but it's not easy to do. There's a high level of accountability that needs to happen, not only uh, with the leader of the organization and having people input, but a high level of accountability that you have to hold the rest of the team to. And it is a bunch of little cultural values building on one another over the course of time. One of the big things that I see as broken in the workplace, uh, it, actually I'm experiencing right now at our current location, um, there 
is uh, there's a new group that moved into our co-working space. We have our office, they've got their office. And um, some of the conversations that come out of that room, there are individuals in there who don't respect the humanity of the people that are working there. They'll never hear this podcast. They'll never see it, but I'm listening. And it's, it's a hardcore lack of respect for the other person's humanity. Now, as believers, we know all people are created in the image of God. And that alone demands that we respect and honor them because they carry the same resemblance of the savior of the creator. But in a world that does not know Jesus, all of the sudden it's me versus you. You do what I say to do. And if you mess up, it's on you as opposed to the leader taking responsibility, laying down, you know, his wants or her wants and preferences, and then investing in the people. And so I think, I think the biggest thing that I see is broken is the lack of respect for the humanity of individuals, no matter how big or how small the team is. Oh, it's powerful. Michael, what do you, what do you think is areas that you see that are broken within work yeah, I, I'm really blessed to be on a, a team that has a lot of believers and even in past agency life too, and that really respect work-life balance, but seeing other teams and other parts of our company, like I feel like there's two types of people in the marketing world. There's the younger Gen Z, young millennials that have no, um, no family yet. So they can really put in the hours and, and, and then the higher ups in the agency start to expect that. And then there's also the maybe married, maybe have kids, but their, their career is the number one thing in their life. So they're, they're constantly pushing, you know, they'll put in the hours too because they want to advance to that VP level, the senior VP, the C level. And so when you get somebody like a lot of people in our group, actually that are, you know, married, have kids, believers, they just different priorities. And I know Luke's talked a lot about um, choosing to cheat where you, you, you have the church life, you have your work life, you have your family life. And at some point you're going to have to cheat some of them to, you know, to actually survive. And so being able to prioritize that and say no to those weekend requests, you know, being firm about it and setting expectations. And some people don't like it. Some people are fine with it. And I, I'm really surprised that when you do say that people really understand a lot, at least from the people I've worked with. So, mm. you know, you might be scared that they're going to find a new client and it might be different. I'm at a big agency where we have long-term agreements versus like, you know, a smaller agency where, you know, it might be a little bit more fickle in terms of clients sticking around and stuff. But yeah, it's, uh, yeah, just finding that balance and being on the right team and not being afraid to move to a different group or agency if, if it's not working out, because especially now, I mean, we're hiring. It's hard to find good talent because people are shopping around trying to find the, the best gig around. And yeah, so there's a lot of movement and, and if you're in a bad situation, if your humanity is not being honored, there's always greener pastures. So mm. one little hack I heard, so I just heard this the other day and it like blew my mind. They said, if you're at a place where it would be frowned upon to leave at three 30 because you have a family commitment, I got to go pick up my kid from school. All you have to say is I got to take off. I have a previous appointment and Everybody lays down and worships the calendar and it's all good. You've got an appointment. Don't you dare miss that appointment. And so can't get away. Just say, I got to leave early. I've got an appointment that I need to get to. And all of a sudden everyone's like, oh yeah, we make sure you take care of that. <laughs> That's a good hack. But you say, I want to leave early to have uh, coffee with my wife. It's like, well, can't you do that at a different time? You're supposed to be working. You're supposed to be working right yeah. now. Yeah. yeah. 
we, it's already kind of seeped in there or moved kind of in this direction, but now let's talk about kind of taking your faith into work. Um, you know, there's obviously there's a, a call to probably from more the um, secular progressives. Hey, um, if you have faith, great, but it needs to be private. You can't bring it into the marketplace. It shouldn't affect your role, whether you're a senator or a VP of an oil company or whatever it is. Um, but as believers and as Jesus called, we are to be missionaries wherever we go. Um, so Michael, Michael, probably start with you. Just what, how, how do you, how do you take your faith into work, into the marketplace, into your role, um, and be a representative of Christ in a faithful way? I mean, I think the biggest way and the way that no one's going to ever stop is do your work is for the Lord, not for your boss, not for anyone else. And if you do that, it's going to become obvious that when you're a top quality worker, you know, you're producing great results and, and they're going to like that and start to ask questions. And then you have that opportunity. Um, it's been, it's been a struggle for me lately with that because before working in an office, I had opportunities. You, there's a lot more chit chat face to face, just random conversations. But now that they've closed their office and we're solely work from home at this point, it, it's been a, it's been a struggle to have more just, you know, non-work related conversations. We have happy hours maybe once a month, but when you're going to set up a meeting for a specific topic or you're pinging somebody on a chat thing, like it, it's for that purpose. And there's not really a lot of chit chat going back and forth. So I've, I've missed that for sure. Being a sole work from home. It wasn't COVID related. We were going to close down anyway, but COVID kind of sped it up. But yeah. That's but in the past you saw those chit chat opportunities as opportunities that where it may come out that, Oh, Oh, what'd you do over the weekend? Oh, I went to a game or watched a movie and I went to church Yeah, or what are just those chit chat areas give you opportunities yeah. to like, and I will say self-identify as a Christian, Jeffrey, you, you are a great example of that. I observed you as I worked with you um, for five or six years, just modeling that to perfection. Like I've never met somebody that could weave in, you know, they're, they're a DJ, but then church and like all this, it's just, it, I mean, Jesus and the gospel are part of your life and it, it just always comes out. And, and that's been a great model for me on how to share and how to just make it natural and awkward. Cause a lot of people share their faith in awkward ways and you're the furthest from awkward. So that, that's been oh. a great example. for me. Thank you, Michael. Yeah. Yeah. Dave, how do you uh, take your, your faith in Christ into the workplace or your role as a kind of the uh, principal owner of a agency? So this is an area that I've struggled with for a long time. And oh, that's such a Christian word struggle with. I've thought about for such a long time. It's, <laughs> I think, I, well, a majority of the people that will be listening to this probably will be believers. Yeah, so, there you go. Yeah, you don't need to worry about the Christianese. Yeah. They'll pick it up and pick it up and lay the struggle down. is real. So it's, 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 it's something that is constantly on my, on my mind. And, and, in years past and, and by years past, I mean like the majority of my life, not just my adult life, but my life, I have had a overwhelming sense of guilt at how I've handled this. And not because of, not because of anything anybody ever said, but I always felt like I never lived up to the way you were supposed to do faith in school or faith now in the workplace. I always felt like I was falling short. I, you know, never led someone to Christ. I, you know, never had the opportunity to share the gospel, which that's not true, but like, these are the things that the lies inside your head tell you. Like the, 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 the thoughts that you have in your head are never like the best things you've ever done. They're always the things that like 
come back to haunt you as like, I said something stupid once five years ago. And now that person is probably only thinking about that when they like, that's the stuff that you rehearse in your mind. And over the last uh, six years, seven years, I've really started to just accept I am who I am in Christ faults and successes, uh, strengths and weaknesses. And, uh, if I were closed off to being challenged, then that would be one thing, but I'm not closed off to being challenged. Um, if anything, I, I don't, I don't necessarily put enough challenge into my life, but all of that to say, I'm very comfortable now with the way that I choose to do this, not because it's right, but because I, I know that Jesus loves me the way that I am. And I would say as the lead, there's, there's two prongs to this. There's the leader side where um, I'm fortunate that everybody in our company knows and loves Jesus. That's not intentional. I think it's just the type of people that I attract and the type of people that I'm attracted to. Not Christians, just people who live like Jesus. Like, take the whole, like, savior of the world out of it. Jesus was a pretty awesome guy, and he would be a really great person to hang out with. Evidence? Bible. Everybody wanted to hang around with him. So just being in that group, it's very easy for me to drop faith-based principles. Everybody knows where it comes from, and there's not really a second thought. But that really is the, I would say, the um, the core of how I choose to lead is faith-based principles. Whether you like Jesus or not, this is a good thing. We can all agree that this is a good thing. There was a law firm that I worked with and they said, we're not a Christian law firm, but we're Christians in a law firm. And so we got really practical on how we could represent that through the copy on their site. And I said, well, let's just leak scriptural truths throughout the copy. We won't quote it as scripture. We won't even write it as scripture. Interesting. But we will just say, this is what we believe and it will be based upon Judeo-Christian values. And they're like, we like that. And so then we incorporated Proverbs. We incorporated uh, other legal, you know, verses into their website along with uh, famous historical legal people. And so that was one way we leaked it. And I think that's the way that I choose to approach it now. That said, there's a flip side to it. And this is when I'm talking and teaching people about marketing. The biggest thing that most uh, of the people I interact with that they struggle with is their failure. And they feel like if I'm not selling, if people aren't buying, I'm a failure as a person. I have no worth. I have no value. And the flip side, when people are buying, I've got something to sell and my value is there. And so the way I've chosen to address that issue is to say your worth and your value is not determined by how much you sell, how much money you make, uh, whether it was a good month or a bad month. Your worth and value is determined by what somebody else is willing to give up for you. Personally, I'm a Christian. And I believe that Jesus was willing to give up his life to save me. For you, that might be something different, but my worth and my value is found in just how much somebody was willing to sacrifice for me. And so that's really where I try to inject my faith without being pushy and preachy and like mall preacher type thing, but at the same time, not backing down. Yeah, yeah. So uh, what advice would you give for... A uh, twenty-something-year-old uh, who loves Jesus and wants to be a faithful witness within work. Uh, Michael, you've already talked about uh, being uh, being just great work ethic. Uh, Dave, you talked about in terms of uh, just bringing kind of um, that influence and uh, kind of Judeo-Christian uh, principles into 
your style, but what other advice would you give for, for kind of young believers who are entering the marketplace or are currently in the marketplace of how to, how to be a faithful witness? Yeah, I would say work on not siloing your, your mind between church gospel, Jesus stuff and marketing or whatever career stuff. So it's how those can interact. Cause I think, that it requires a lot of thought and something I'm still thinking through, like how, how does marketing fit in with the Christian life? Should churches really be <laughs> marketing like the world should, you know, is this really even a career path that Christians should pursue it? And just thinking through those kind of issues in your mind and, and landing somewhere, but using the Bible scripture, the gospel to, to land there. And I think that will help you have one, a different perspective on what your career is. Two, people start to notice that you have a different perspective. That helps with your career in general because you're able to offer something different than the cookie cutter, you know, stuff that you'll hear from from others. So I, I think it's just, and obviously God's created all of it. So he's already designed this. He knew it was going to happen. He knew marketing was going to be a thing. And there's always ways to fit in the gospel rather than just, you know, sharing the four spiritual laws or your testimony. Like there's ways to really incorporate the gospel and, and Dave gave a lot of great examples of that, but I think it's your mind's always so siloed and to, to bring that together and start to think how those really mesh together, or how the gospel can be over marketing, I guess you would say too. So, mm. um, Do you guys Sabbath well? What year are we talking about? <laughs> We're talking 2021 <laughs> in uh, July. Ironically, when I worked at a church, no. So my time in a church, I did not Sabbath well. Um, and really there's nobody to blame, but myself. And a lot of that has to do with what did I choose to practice in my younger years? How did I, how did I grow (laughs) anything, anything to be good at? It takes practice. And as an entrepreneur, I've learned that to vacation well, it takes practice to take a day off. It takes practice. Uh, you cannot, uh, just work, 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 work. And then have a day off and expect not to work if you haven't practiced what it's like to not work. Everything takes practice and repetition to get good at taking a vacation, to get good at taking a day off, to get good at not checking your phone at the baseball game, to get good at these things. It requires practice. And I didn't practice the Sabbath well when I was a kid. I didn't practice the Sabbath well when I was uh, young. I worked seven days a week. I worked... I was an entrepreneur. I owned a FedEx truck. So FedEx ground, I used to be able to say, if you see the purple and the green, that's a FedEx ground truck. Now they're all converting it to, you know, the red into purple, but FedEx ground, they're all individual contractors and you own your truck, you own your route and you work as a contractor for the larger FedEx ground corporation. And so at the age of 21, I worked FedEx ground. I had my own route, my own truck Monday through Friday. I interned at the church Saturday and Sunday. And so I was working as 21 years old, seven days a week. Going back, I I can't say that I would do things differently because it's led me to where I am now. Should I have done things differently? Yeah, I probably should have. And uh, it would have been great to have had that modeled for me in other areas of my life. And so um, do I Sabbath well today? I'm happy to say that I do, but it's only after really being intentional the last several years. And and I have to mention this, that today it's not a, I always Sabbath well, or I always, I, you can't say I always do everything. My wife and I, we've learned that, you know, I talked about punching a hole in the wall, like being a dad, like in, I'm not an angry person, 
but I really struggled with anger in May and June, like mm. big time for the first time in my life. I struggled with anger and it was to the point where my wife's like, I think you just need to like, maybe just leave and cool down and I'll stay here. I mean, it was bad. And so, um, you know, you can't like just cover and say always it's going to be this way. Um, and so Sabbathing well, really comes down to the season that we're in. And that May and June season was really difficult. And we were struggling through it, Mm. but we were taking, you know, taking comfort in knowing that it's just a season. And so there are seasons where I'll have to put in extra hours because I made a commitment to my wife. I made a commitment to my family and that comes first. And sometimes that means working extra hours to make sure that I can continue to take care of them because the job calls for it but work that way in season. So that's how I approach it today. And and I'm better than I used to be. Um, but that season approach really helps the perspective. Oh yeah. That's great. Michael, do you Sabbath? Well, I, I, I Sabbath well from my job. Like when I'm resting, it's not my job that's distracting me. I, I'm able to, to cut that off pretty easily, but um, just Sabbathing in a good way versus like, Mindlessly doing something that that's where I struggle, but it's, it's not related to my job. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I, uh, this year, so I, I, beside my, uh, regular nine to five working at an agency, I also have my own like little side hustle, that little di- digital agency that does primarily builds websites and stuff like that. Toro. And I, uh, yeah, uh, no, no, <laughs> yeah. Uh, Matador, Matador digital. We're here. Oh, to put, Matador. Yeah. We're yeah, here. That's here right. To, um, I was close. <laughs> <laughs> So I've been doing that since 2016. I love it. It's kind of my creative outlet. It's something I do a lot of times on the weekends or at night uh, when we're not busy with family or, or wife or um, other activities. Um, but last year I realized that it was just taking a lot of my Sunday, a lot of any kind of downtime from the weekend. And I was also moving into a new role that I knew was going to require a lot more from me. And so at the end of the day of my regular job, I didn't want to think, oh, this other client that's my side gig um, is also expecting this development on their website or some digital marketing, whatever it was. So I actually made a purpose, a purposely, uh, a purpose decision this year just to say, okay, I'm going to just ratchet way, way, way back because I wasn't sabbathing well. Mm -hmm. I wasn't saying, okay, God intended us to work six days and take a day off of rest and to work hard for six days, but rest and, and really have that rhythm to, to focus on him, to um, just your body, your mind, your everything. And uh, so it's, it's been good. Um, It's hard because I've had to turn down work. I've had to turn down some fun projects. And my wife's like, I don't think you can do this. You just really love working. You really enjoy what you do. And, uh, but I'm like, yeah, but I, I need to have rest. And so it's actually been really, really good. So it's been a great experience. Um, Let's talk a little bit more about just kind of practical advice. Again, back to if you think about uh, believers in their late 20s or 30s, um, you know, work ethic seems to be kind of a big thing. There's there's obviously work-life balance, but there's work ethic. Like when you're on the clock and um, you have tasks to do, um, what advice would you give uh, people in terms of being a faithful employee and working hard and and really – uh, excelling at what you do. I mean, to me, it's the same answer. You're working for the Lord. You're not working for your boss or your company. So like, it's the perspective. Yeah. Yeah. Did that, 
was there a change uh, for you in that? Like in the past, maybe you, you felt like you had a, a focus on pleasing your boss, but then there was a switch or was that something you always felt like you've had kind of in your mind? Yeah, I think I've always had it in my mind. It, it, it comes more when you start to not like your boss or not want to work for them anymore or want mm. to have a change there. Then, you know, you see your focus start to wane like that. Definitely that perspective refreshes the, I'm not working for him. I'm working for, wow. for God. So that, that drives you. What about what about you, Dave? In terms of just uh, advice around work ethic. So this is something that I've that I've thought. I, I think a lot about stuff. I spend a lot of time thinking, and um, it's because of all of the experiences. I'm like I'm a product of the experiences and the people that have invested in me, and I'm really grateful for all those people. Um, and I'm I'm grateful that I realize what I'm pulling away from. And this particular area, the the I, I won't I won't poo-poo on anybody else's diagram. This is my diagram. I don't believe that work-life balance can exist because no things are ever equal. They can never be in total balance. And so the idea that I can balance my work and I can balance my home perfectly, I think it's I think it's a, a novelty. I think it's a fantasy because there are seasons where you are required to be more at home and you are out of balance with your work and your life. And there are seasons where you need to show up at work more and you are out of balance with your work and your personal life. The way I have learned to understand it for myself and what I drive for our team is that there is not a balance. There is only 100% intentional and present. And so when you are at work, you work hard. When you are at work, you give it your all. It has your attention. And at the end of the day, you're not exhausted because you were unhealthy. You're exhausted because you gave it your all, because you really worked hard and you put in a solid day's work. And now you're ready to reap the reward of going home and being in an environment. And I, I know that not everybody's home is safe. And so I say this knowing that, but to go home and then be in a safe environment where you can recoup where you can regroup, where you can begin to pour different energy into your family. And then by the end of that you know, weeknight or by the end of the weekend, you're charged up by investing in the lives of people who count on you and you're ready to go back into the workplace. But when you're at home, you're at home, 100% intentional and present. And when you're at work, you're at work, 100% intentional and present. And that's how I choose to operate it. And that sort of mentality, it's like Joe from the office, you know, Michael said, Joe, we're going to, you know, let everybody go home. It's five o'clock. It's St. Patrick's day. And she looks at him. She's like, well, Michael, if you worked hard and you feel like this is a day you can write your name on and say, I did good work, then you can go home. And he walked right back out. He goes, nope, 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 nope. And everybody sat down for another couple hours. And then he goes back in later. He goes, Joe, it is St. Patrick's day. It is seven o'clock. And uh, my team, I am thrilled with the quantity and quality of their work, and I'm going to let them go. All right, Michael. And then she let him out. <laughs> but I think that's just a great illustration. Can you put your name on what it is you just did, and are you proud of it? Yeah. So you both talked about perspective and being uh, present and intentional. That's excellent. Um, has there been any areas where you've seen either colleagues or people that you've worked with or people that work for you um, just kind of just blow it? And like advice that you'd given them just areas where they just, they fell short or, um, they were on a performance review or just looking at kind of their trajectory was being hampered because of just a lack of either, uh, the hard skills or soft skills. 
I mean, I guess it's easy to see that in other people. Um, you, it's really easy to spot where people blow it and where they mess up. Um, there's a millennial that was working for me and he was basically mirroring my life seven days a week, you know, five days working at our place, the weekends he was side hustling. And so it's easy to spot that stuff out. I I think the, 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 the harder thing is to look at myself and see where I'm blowing it and make sure that I have, and this is what I would say for anybody, not just young, but old. Like it's important to have people in your life who can call you out when you're blowing it. And to have, if you're married, to have a healthy relationship with your spouse where they can come to you and be honest and know that you're not going to be defensive when they say, Hey, you're blowing it right now. So I, I, mm. I think it's easy to spot. I, I'd be interested in hearing what you have to say. Cause, um, you know, I have such a small group and, and, you know, it doesn't really change, but you've worked on larger teams. It sounds like. And so, um, Michael, what would you say? Interesting. I, I think a lot of times when people are blowing it, they they try to hide it and yeah and make it worse. So own it. And yeah. so when you start to discover <laughs> that and they, you know, yeah, just own it quickly. Because a lot of times, especially people that are reporting to me, it's like, let's get this fixed. Like I know you don't know how to do this. Let's let's fix this rather than you waiting weeks and being late on deadlines because you don't know how to do it and you're too afraid to ask. And, yeah. Yeah. So I think that's don't be afraid to admit that you messed up, you know, don't be afraid to admit that you don't know what you're doing. A lot of great, you know, companies will help train you. They'll help coach you up. Like they don't want to fire you right away. I mean, some do, but if you're working for a great company, they're going to help you along. And as long as you're not hiding and trying to. Yeah. They want to retain talent. Yeah. It's hard to get talent in and train them. I, I, I think one thing that I would add, if I did see somebody that was blowing it, like you were saying, like, just own up to it real quick. If I did, I would practice how I was going to approach that. And I would choose intentionally the words that I want to use, um, because it could come off as (laughs) it'll probably come off as anything other than what you intend. Right. It'll be like, Oh, you know, you're being a jerk or why are you calling this out? But man, I, I have valued my wife being a sounding board for me when I've had to have difficult conversations with, with my team because we're so relational. And so I take great care in choosing the words that I'm going to use when I'm about to call somebody else out and I run it through her and almost always, I would say 99.9% of the time, she stops me dead in my tracks and says, you don't want to say that. Like, let's talk about it. And Mm. then we work through And then I rehearse it just (laughs) like when I'm calling, you know, my cell phone carrier and I need them to do something for me. I rehearse what I'm going to say before I get on there, because if I don't, I start babbling and I'm not clear on what I want. And I think if you rehearse it, you can make really clear what it is you see and the intention behind why you're saying something. So if you are going to call someone out, like you were saying, Michael, and just say, hey, like, let's own this. Let's figure it out. Let's fix it. Choose what words you want to do to use to initiate that conversation so that they see you're a teammate. Yeah. That, and that I hated that trend that came out a couple of years ago about kind of fake it till you make it. That was kind of like a popular <laughs> thing. Exactly. It's about what I think. And, um, and, and, and the things that I've seen over my career where people have blown it has been more about their ability to work with other people and to be a great team player and to great, be a great colleague than the hard skills. Most of the time, if somebody lacks the hard skills, you can train them, Mm -hmm. you can get them some training, you can 
show them the ropes, whatever it is, but it's the, it's the people skills, like being able to work with it. Google had this study where they were looking at kind of their, their top engineering teams and they had the A team and the B team and the A team were all the world-class engineers. And then the B team were not as world-class, but they had a, a higher um, kind of emotional intelligence and the ability to team, uh, you know, teamwork. And the B team destroyed the A team because the A team was all about themselves and ego. They didn't know how to work together. And that's where I've seen most people, especially in marketing, have just kind of blown it. If they, they did, they only thought about themselves. They didn't know how to communicate. They didn't practice how they were going to say something. They didn't have a lot of tact and they, and they, or, or they didn't, they faked it or they didn't own up to it and they, they just didn't communicate well. So that, that's kind of the, what the area that I've seen. Well, let's, um, Got like five fun questions. So uh, maybe keep your, your answer a little bit short. Um, if you had a magic wand, what would you fix about your work inside uh, within either your job or your industry? Magic wand, whoosh. Fixed. Can we just say make everybody Christian? <laughs> oh, you went the spiritual ram. Oh, <laughs> Sunday school, Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say make Google more transparent about their algorithm. Yeah. Anybody in the SEO world knows exactly what I'm saying. What about you, Dave? Magic wand, Magic uh, wand. change one thing. Um, just everybody has a, a healthy level of self-awareness. Mm. Oh, great. Next question. If God blessed you with $10 million, would you do the same kind of work or something different? So basically you're set for life. You don't need to worry about paying the bills and you can just choose any kind of work or career. Would you do the same or do something different? And if you do something different, what would it be? I do the same thing, but the caveat is I would get away from doing any of the actual work and I would get more into the team building because like I said, at the very beginning, my value behind what I'm doing and what I'm building is to create an environment where individual people's lives are changed. And so that would just, I, I think that would allow me to do that at a greater scale. I'd be able to invite more people into that. Mm. No, I wouldn't do SEO. I would. Uh, <laughs> no, I, I, I do that exact same thing, just in a different environment. I'd love to move back overseas, and I, I love different cultures in Ukraine. Yeah, maybe, maybe where it's cheaper to live. It's cheaper to live in Ukraine, so that ten million dollars will go a lot further, and just <laughs> use that to bless people. And yeah, what's the currency in Ukraine? The hryvna. Uh, what What's the equivalent of a dollar in? What'd you say, hryvna? Yeah, it's thirty to one. I think thirty to one. Wow. Do you have a favorite quote or Bible verse about work? Uh, yeah. Well, what is it? <laughs> oh, okay. Okay. Uh, okay. Let me ask you this. What was your first email address? Do you remember? YYN at AOL.com. Do you remember yours, Michael? Yeah. Supernatural guy. Okay. Mine was you consume me. It was DC talk. That was supernatural from DC talk. Supernatural. Wow. The Venn diagram just got a little. <laughs> my first, that was my first email. My first screen name was always praying. And so that's actually the screen name I used to initially strike up conversation with my now wife, but always praying the idea of constantly being prayer. That's been a lifelong challenge for me. I, I don't want to make it sound like I live up to that, but yeah. that is the challenge. Nice. Always be in prayer. Michael, do you have a favorite? Uh, I don't remember where this is in the Bible, but it's the one I was been quoting the whole time. Do you know? Do as you're working to the Lord. I forget what that is, but yeah, that would great. 
Um, what is your dream retirement job? So what is kind of a fun um, job that you would take after a, a full, after you stop taking a full-time paycheck? The same thing I just said. Move over overseas somewhere. Wow. Okay. Do ministry at a church. Dave, do you have like a fun, like Home Depot or? For, you know what? Being a musician, I'd love to go back and I'd actually love to produce maybe an album or something. But the thing that popped in my mind first when you said that was be a grandpa. So, you know, that too. take your pick. Nice. A, a record recording grandpa. <laughs> <laughs> what is the number one quality or value a person can bring to any type of work? What is the number one quality or value a person can bring to any type of work? Are you going to go spiritual or are you going to go less spiritual? I don't know. Number one. I, I honestly, I, back to what I said, own up to your mistakes, like be open, be transparent. Don't shut yourself off. Like I, I think that's a big deal, especially for people starting out. Like you're going to make mistakes. You're going to, you know, don't fight back with your boss. Learn from your boss. Don't, you know, don't shift blame to other people. Like people do that all the time. It's like you made a mistake, you know, it, but you're going to shift blame. Oh, he did this or he did that. Or the client did this or, you know, my coworker did that. Like don't, don't shift the blame. Take, take responsibility. You're going to grow from that way more than pushing it off on other people. You'll learn more from the bad bosses than you'll ever learn from the good bosses. Those memories will stick. The, the good bosses do subtle things. The bad bosses make huge mistakes and they're like, I'm ain't never going to be that way. Um, I, I'd go along the same lines, like take ownership. Um, I mean, you could say that's humility, however you want to put that. Um, but take ownership, not just for your mistakes, but internally take ownership for uh, other people's mistakes. And what could you have done in that instance as a, as an employer, um, if an employee fails, uh, almost every time it's because you as the employer put that person in the wrong position. You did not equip them to succeed in that position. Mm. Um, you didn't train them for that position uh, or you just flat out hired the wrong person. There's instances where it's just the person did something wrong and it was a character issue, but even then you hired that person. So don't just take responsibility for what you do wrong, but look at how you are culpable in other things and, that's a good guiding light. Oh. Can, can I give the part two extreme gospel counterculture answer is be happy and help promote other people's success. Yeah. Like don't just be about yourself, be about other people succeeding when they get the promotion over you celebrate that. Don't, you know, don't fight that. Like that's so countercultural, but I, I've seen that get me and other people, you know, a long ways. Yeah. We do that kind of stuff. Well, Dave and Michael, thank you both for your time. Uh, thank you for your faithfulness to our church uh, your faithfulness at work. Um, yeah, it's, a, it's a real testimony. This has been a great conversation. Uh, thank you for listening. Uh, we love you. And in Jesus' name, amen. Peace out, y'all. Thanks. <laughs>